you for joining us for the next installment of our Echo Chicago podcast series. This month, we are pleased to be sharing the inner workings and impact of one of our most popular series, Serious Mental Illness. Funded in large part by the Office of Minority Health, our team of experts ran six cohorts focused on this important topic between September 2018 and June 2021. With wait times to see a psychiatrist often averaging over six months, a series like this, one that equipped primary care providers to offer mental health services, is essential. We cover topics ranging from the diagnosis of mood disorders and character pathologies to the prescription of antipsychotics, as well as talking about motivational interviewing, best practices for screening, and tools to address the overlap between substance use disorders and serious mental illness. Our expert team also shared their ideas for making all mental health care more trauma-informed. This series was also the first of ours to incorporate patient and caregiver voices into the facilitation team, a suggestion shared with us by this series community advisory board. We're excited to share more about this series with you all throughout the course of this two-part podcast episode series. In this first episode today, we'll talk with the lead facilitators and co-PIs of the series Mental Illness Echo Series, Drs. Dorian Miller and Daniel Hanna. Thanks for having me today. My name's Dr. Dorian Miller. I'm a professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. Um, I'm also one, was one of the co-principal investigators for the um, Echo Chicago Serious Mental Illness Series along with Dr. Dan Johanna. Uh, I'm Dan Johanna. I'm a psychiatrist, an interim chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Chicago, and also a co-PI for this Echo Series on Serious Mental Illness and a content expert in psychiatry. Well, so happy to be speaking with you both about this. And now that we've wrapped up that kind of six cohort uh, series that we were running, I'd love to know what your overall impressions of the series were. As the, the primary care internist half of the two people who led the series over time, I think that the presentations in particular, the case presentations, were very reflective of the kinds of experiences that that I've had over many years around the real complexities that exist in both um, suspecting that my patients may have serious mental illness in a primary care setting, um, figuring out the best ways to treat them, not in terms of making, only in terms of making referrals, but also the complications that arise because of their medical conditions. And so, uh, for patients that have diabetes, people who are smokers, they have other health behavior issues. And then also just the really challenging social issues that come about um, for many of these patients um, uh, th- that we have uh, heard about in the series, um, whether it be homelessness or people who are marginally housed, uh, people who may have substance use disorder in addition, um, other aspects of trauma Um, I think come into play. And then also the teasing a part of whether or not this is primarily a serious mental illness issue versus someone who may have a severe character pathology uh, slash personality disorder, or if the two of them are are in play. So again, just underscoring the complexity of of the patients that uh, we see on a regular basis that have serious mental illness. Uh, I've been impressed with 
how the uh, programs we've been working with, mostly federally qualified healthcare centers, have become the safety net for mental health services uh, and for people with serious uh, mental illness. To me, it reflects the non-system we have for medical and psychiatric care where patients are now uh, seeking mental health services. I've also been impressed that each and every program has really been hungry for more behavioral health uh, education and knowledge and uh, also more resources. It's underscored for me uh, really the problem in behavioral health uh, management for everyone in medical settings and has made me even more determined to improve mental health services even outside these programs. And as already been said, the psychosocial and uh, social determinants of health have been a predominant theme in the presentations. The more services we can provide uh, for those areas, the better even their medical and uh, psychiatric outcomes will be. I'm also curious about how the series has evolved from the first cohort that started September of 2018 to our, our sixth that just wrapped up earlier this year. Um, and would love to know kind of how you made those changes, how you thought about it as an iterative process. Yeah, well, as, as people presented cases and talked, that we, I realized the challenges they had for people with serious mental illness. And we actually each time thought about how we would add more content to help with that. So for example, initially, I don't think we spent time on personality disorders. And by the end, we had two uh, sessions on personality disorders because it took up so much of the questions and time. And we added uh, issues around trauma uh, and started to move away from more strictly medical interventions, if you will, medications and other things to really a much broader areas of um, intervening in substance use, motivational interviewing, and, and really helping people. And as maybe the most important is to help primary care and and people in federally qualified healthcare centers working to slow down and see, see different kinds of progress, what, what we see as progress. Progress is slow in this population, but can be very rewarding. I think that one of the benefits that we've had in this series, um, both, and I agree with Dr. Johanna around the evolutionary process of understanding not only what was being presented to us, but how we could pivot within the series in order to meet the needs of the people who participated is that we also had the involvement of a community stakeholder advisory board, which included not only primary care practitioners, but also uh, mental health practitioners and also patients and caregivers. And having them to look at the work that we were doing and to reflect on what they thought was important in terms of, of content and additions, I think made the world of difference in terms of changes. So as we look at cohort one versus cohorts two through six, during two through six, we included the patient voice in two and three, and through four and through six, we included both patient and caregiver voices and had people who were living with serious mental illness serve as faculty members during 
the, uh, the series. Um, their reflections on what it means to have someone in a primary care setting evaluated by primary care doctors with serious mental illness, I think gave a different, shed a different light on what primary care providers need to consider as they're seeing patients with serious mental illness in their practice. Um, the same thing with the caregiver perspective in this series and um, some of the challenges that the, the caregiver who also served as a faculty member in the series has had in the care of, of her loved one and how she was able to address it. So um, again, lived experience um, has been, I, I think, a real important piece that we've added to this series. And I think that brings in another aspect, a point of view that sometimes is not done um, in other uh, telemedicine distance learning educational series. And one of the hallmarks of our ECHO programming in general and of ECHO programming worldwide is this idea of all teach, all learn, that not only are you both as the experts sharing your knowledge with our participants, but also the participants are sharing their knowledge with you. In this series, we have patients and caregivers contributing to that learning loop as well. And so I'm curious from your perspective as learners in this space, what did you learn most in the process of facilitating? What surprised you most about the series or this topic? Well, I have to say it was humbling to hear all the feedback from the clinicians. You know, we're used to, uh, as educators, sort of you know, just passing on what we think is a current knowledge base. And then people will bring up things that either I had never heard of and are absolutely correct, and I look it up later. So I love that part of the series. The willingness of participants to share with one another, I think was a very pleasant surprise. And I think really speaks to the interactiveness that we, and the community that we've been able to build as a part of the series. And I think about this from the perspective of going to continuing medical education courses in person. Um, in that oftentimes you're sitting in a hotel auditorium in which you are talked at. There may be the opportunity for three or four questions, but the real exchanges, if they take place, take place after the talk is over and people start to socialize with one another. And it's also a very brief experience, but we have the opportunity over the course of the 14 weeks of a series like this to actually have people to see one another on Zoom, to start having exchanges with one another and providing and sharing ideas of what has worked in their settings and um, how this has been very powerful. Um, and they also, and particularly in these sessions because we focus them our sessions on people who are working in safety net settings, that they have a lot in common because of the commonalities and the challenges that they see on a day-to-day -day basis that they're able to relate to those things. And so um, I think that they, they see themselves as part of a community um, in this space. And while we're doing this sort of review of the series as a whole, what is the impact that you hope the series has made? The impact I think the series had on on the participants is to start viewing the mental health issues from a slightly different angle, to appreciate the way people make progress in, that, in the area. It's a slower process uh, over time. And so uh, I think we changed our attitudes over the course 
of the series, many were actually doing wonderful work, even from the very first presentation. And I don't think they understood that they were really doing great work. I think I, I learned that through the, through the series too. I would agree with Dr. Johanna. I think that oftentimes getting that outside validation along with some grounding in some nuts and bolts can be a real confidence booster for primary care providers. Um, and I think that that one of the, and this is hopping back a little bit to the question you asked a little while ago about how things, how our content has evolved um, in that I don't think that they have the opportunity to step back and to see the work that they're doing through the lens of people who are subject matter experts in this area. And so being able to receive both nuts and bolts information around management, peer support, just-in-time information is a real confidence booster in terms of how they're doing the work. And I think to some extent, the evaluations that we've done amongst the six, uh, with the six cohorts has really reflected changes in that confidence in their abilities to, to diagnose and at least initiate treatment for patients with serious mental illness. Great. And uh, we'll just encourage everybody to then stay tuned for when we can share more of the details of that uh, evaluation. If participants of the series were able to walk away with one or two big takeaways from the series, what do you hope those takeaways would be? Well, I hope they walk away with a, a slightly different attitude about outcomes for our patients with mental health problems, that just reducing their symptoms may not be enough, but any ways that they, in any way that they see what they've done has improved their functioning in their life and satisfaction in their life. I hope people walked away with that. And I hope that they walked away with a sense of just how important they are in the delivery of, of behavioral health services, the way things are set up now in the United States. So um, I hope they left feeling proud of what the work that they are, they are doing in behavioral health. I would agree with that. The primary care system is the de facto mental health system in the, in the United States. Um, and unfortunately, as primary care doctors, we're trying to fill a gap. There's just so much more that's needed um, in terms of being able to not only meet patients where they are, but also figuring out ways in which we can generate systems that are more in keeping with the needs of the patients. And so as we think about uh, mental health primary care integration, um, as opposed to potentially standalone services that generate barriers for care that um, we can start to see more and more of this as time goes on. And hopefully the financial incentives to do so from both whether it be private health insurance or from public insurance, such as Medicaid, Medicare, can be supportive. It's one of the reasons why um, I think that advocacy, and I think about the advocacy that uh, Dr. Johanna and others have been involved in with our legislators is so critically important. Well, one of the things we made me think about is what will the future of mental health services look like in primary care settings? And I was surprised to see that actually every federally qualified healthcare center, almost every mental health center has already integrated behavioral health or primary care into their settings. 
I'm looking forward to the day where um, more collaborative relationships uh, with primary care exists and psychiatrists are available for consultation to primary care and that uh, they feel confident and comfortable in providing more behavioral health services. Thanks to Drs. Johanna and Miller for joining us today and for their leadership of this series. As always, it was a pleasure to speak with you both. We hope you'll join us for part two of this episode series, where we'll hear from more of the people who made this series and project what it was. Keep an eye out for part two coming later this week.